Welcome to the Health Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Dr. Rogelio Ralzola, a PhD in health, exercise, and sports science, a strength coach with over a decade of experience in personal, collegiate, and professional settings, and a sports scientist whose main goal is to use testing and data to maximize your health and performance. And I'm Brooke West, holistic registered dietitian, practicing the perfect combination of a functional nutrition, science-based root cause approach, and hippie magic, with areas of expertise in women's health and hormones, gut health, and micronutrient balance. We believe that health is multifaceted, but not as complicated as others make it seem. Our mission is to share what works and what's BS in the health industry, all while having a good time doing it. Expect us to share everything from new research to tried and true health philosophies to alternative health therapies and the occasional controversial topic. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Health Unfiltered podcast. My name is Ro, it's your boy, and I'm here with another Snack Time episode. Um, so, full disclosure, you know, I've been traveling, Brooke's been traveling. Um, and really, we're a team of of two uh, very busy individuals, the life we choose. Um, so, you know, we were supposed to record some stuff together. I had some other guests that were supposed to come on. Um, but it is November. And so holiday season is approaching. It is, you know, the time where people's schedules kind of get all sorts of wonky. Um, and so we decided to do some snack episodes just to kind of Make sure we're putting out uh, good content and and stuff that um, I think is still important. Um, but you know, just I know maybe some people are out there being like, "Wait, a snack episode <laughs> was just released. What's going on?" Just scheduling conflicts. But um, you know, the at the very least, we are still putting out stuff um, that, like I said, I think is important. Um, Brooke and I are obviously still going to record some stuff down the pipeline, um, and hopefully our guests have uh, a little more time as as the weeks kind of go on. Um, but either way, just want to keep just want to keep chugging along and making sure that we're putting out really good content for for the people who have entrusted you know an hour a week to listen to us and you know twenty thirty minutes with the snack time. So just a little update on me and Brooke and, you know, the the podcast. But either way, still super glad to to be here and, and to talk to um, the loyal listeners. It's always great. But yeah, I mean, travel's been good. We just went to um, Pittsburgh for uh, to meet Casey's in-laws for, or I guess to meet my <laughs> future in-laws for the first time um, on that side of the family. Great, great people. And I'm not just saying that. I don't even think they listen to this. Um, but it was great to to finally meet them and, and see, you know, where where some of Casey's family came from. Um, shout out Pittsburgh, too. Like, obviously, I live in Baltimore now, so there's that bad blood. But Pittsburgh's a, a really cool city, like just a steel town with a lot of rich history and a lot of coal. <laughs> so, um, yeah, beautiful place if you ever have a chance to check it out and I saw their football stadium like that that looks like a gnarly stadium um I'd like to go someday but you know we'll we'll see we'll see where things uh where things end up uh, my back for those of you that care is slowly getting better I 95 percent uh either bulge a disc or re-aggravated a past injury not entirely sure how still um but you know I've been doing core every day I've been doing my 
rehab, my prehab, because um, your boy is not into laying in bed all day. Uh, I got gains to make. So, uh, you know, I got my VO2 max to increase, which is what we'll be talking about today. And um, yeah, it's been a good reminder that, you know, at the end of the day, I've been in way more pain before. I've been unable to feel my legs and literally unable to to stand and, and breathe. And it's not that bad. It was never that bad this time around. So, you know, I was like, oh, this is just going to take some time, some resetting Um, have been, you know, have had those times where I was like, this really sucks. I don't want to do this. And I'm very frustrated. But having people in your life like Casey to, to really pick up the slack um, while you're just focused on healing and, and making sure you're doing all the things you can do. Um, it's super helpful. So shout out to my baby, Casey Miller, um, for taking care of, of the place and, and me while I was doing my best to just <laughs> literally not die. Um, yeah. So let's, let's get into to the episode, the snack time really quick. Um, this entire episode really stems from a question that I got from an old client. So she heard our episode on um, the perfect fitness routine, which was actually a question from her. Uh, and she mentioned that she heard us mention uh, VO2 max. And I know VO2 max is something that we've talked about multiple times on the podcast um, as it's been out, um, whether in reference to cardio or cardio or in reference to how you can lift weights to increase it or just you know, whatever. But I'm not entirely sure if we've ever kind of talked a little bit about what it is exactly or given it its own kind of episode or or spotlight. So I wanted to do that today because she was asking some questions about what a good VO2 max was and how to potentially increase it. So um, I think the first thing to understand is like what exactly VO2 max is. And without getting into you know, the the deep nerdy science of it all, it's really your body's ability to take in oxygen and utilize it. Um, so when we think about it that way, it's how fit you are. So within the context of exercise science, we're always kind of like, well, what is fitness? And fitness is, you know, really how high your VO2 max is. Um, and it's an important measurement because uh, it can be, I mean, it correlates really well to your all-cause mortality. So the higher it is, the chances of you dying in any way um, decrease. And it makes sense, right? You're fit, you're harder to kill. Um, it's harder for viral or bacterial infections to come in and mess you up. Uh, harder for you to get messed up from stress because like, you have just such a robust system. Um And, you know, on the other hand, if you are someone who is out of shape, right, like we're not even talking about how devastating going up a long flight of stairs could be. Um, But if you get sick, right, it takes you much longer to recover or um, you get sick much more than someone who is more fit and more robust Uh, as well. Like you're clearly your power output and your ability to do things is going to be decreased. So just to, to reiterate, VO2 max is how fit you are, how well you can breathe in air, continue to do work, utilize that air for the work, and then, you know, exhale it and continuously do it again. Um, 
so it stands to reason that like elite level marathon runners or uh, elite level cross country skiers, right? People who are doing a lot of work for long periods of time would have the highest. And someone like a a power lifter um, who isn't too focused on cardio, like, like is not going to have any sort of like, generally speaking, right? <laughs> any sort of great uh, VO2 max. So just to put it into context a bit. But I think we also have to understand that the VO2 max is a spectrum, right? So when we talk about excellent, poor, average, good, it falls within a certain number, right? 38 to 54, whatever it may be. Um, And this spectrum is changed based on a couple things. Uh, First and foremost, uh, sex and age. So when we think about or when if you ever go and Google like, oh, what's a good VO2 max? more than likely you're going to find a chart. And this chart is provided by the ACSM, the American College of Sports Medicine. And it's going to kind of stratify the um, value of milliliters per kilogram per minute. Um, So again, how much oxygen you're taking in per minute and utilizing it based on your weight. Um, And um, it's going to stratify it between men and women, and then age groups. And generally, it's like, you know, under 20, and then in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on. And it would stand to reason that the younger you are, the higher, we'll say capacity you have to have a VO2 max, um, or at least, you know, the the older you are, the harder it is for you to have a, a higher VO2 max. But just, you know, when you go to if you're ever talking to uh, a friend who's significantly younger than you or or a trainer or something, and let's say you do know your VO2 max is 45, and they're like, oh, you know, well, mine is like 45 too. That's pretty good or it's pretty bad. But they're 20 years younger than you. Like, take that with a grain of salt. Um, so, yeah, changes or at least the the values are based on sex and age. But importantly, they're also kind of affected by height, weight, the sport. So if you are a runner and you're doing a test on the bike, that's going to affect it. And that kind of speaks to the last thing, which is the specificity of the testing mode. Um, so if you are a cyclist and you know that's what you got used to, your body is primed and very good at utilizing the oxygen during that task. And someone says, hey, we're going to get you to sprint, you know, and and run for as long as you can. It's going to be lower just because you are not as good, as efficient as cycling and vice versa. Right. Um, There are now, I'm pretty sure, VO2 max tests that you can do as you swim. So a swimmer, right, is going to have a much higher VO2 max than um, on land because they are so I mean, that's such a task specific thing that the thought of them even coming close to being able to run with the same efficiency and and power as they do when they swim is is kind of an egregious thought so um yeah just understanding that sex age weight height the sport you do and the specificity of the testing mode are all going to affect vo2 max as well how you feel that day if you're sick yada 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 
Now, some of the reasons that males have higher standards um, is because generally males are bigger than females. They have bigger chests, which means that they're going to have a higher or bigger lung capacity just from anatomically that being there. And then they tend to have more muscle mass than women. And if you have more muscle mass, then you are going to need more energy, right? Like you have more things that need to be fueled. And so your VO2 max is going to, it should reflect that, right? Oh, I have to breathe more. I need more oxygen to continue this work. It's going to be higher simply because I have more muscle mass. Um, And, you know, that's not saying that someone who has more muscle mass automatically has a higher VO2 max, right? Like then bodybuilders would be (laughs) freak athletes and they don't. They they don't have those high values. Um, They are not doing long or very powerful um, cardio bouts that would force them to have higher VO2 maxes. They do train hard, um, but, you know, not, I don't think, enough to stimulate even coming close to being in the, you know, very good or excellent ranges for VO2 max. So now you're thinking, okay, like, yeah, I I understand that, like, the higher it is, excuse me, the better it is. And then also it's based on, you know, differences between males and females. Well, what are those stratifications. And wow, I'm glad you asked because I got them right here for you. Um, So this is going to change a bit depending on uh, the chart that you read, right? ACSM has one that kind of changes every couple years as we, you know, get more data, as we tend to um, get more information about, you know, what is more capable within the human body, as well as where we are as a population, because these are norms, right? So it also stands to reason that if the population is getting less healthy, um, you know, maybe in 10, 20 years, these values all go down, which is a kind of a terrifying thought. But for males, um, for you to be like an elite freak, right? Again, these are all general numbers because it's going to change based on the age of the male. But 55 and above, great. I mean, like fantastic. 60 is like, okay, you're, you're a freak and for sure an athlete. Um, but you're thinking 55 and above, you're thinking very, 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 very good. Uh, 51 to 55. So still very high or like mid fifties. We're thinking like that is excellent. You are still within like the, the 95 percentile. Um, that's very good. And you are for all intent and purposes, like <laughs> pretty healthy. 45 to 50, oh, oh, sorry, Um, I'm talking about, when I talk about these numbers, it's a um, measurement, a a unit of milliliters per kilogram per minute, Um, not super important, I think I mentioned it uh, earlier, like what it means, Um, it's again, just like the amount of oxygen that you are taking in per your body, and then utilizing it per minute, Um, but you know, when you hear people talk about what their VO2 max is, like it's 35, like they're talking about this milliliter per kilogram per minute. So anyway, above 55 for a male elite freak, 51 to 50, um, five, 51 to 55 is going to be excellent. 45 to 50 is good. 38 to 45, right? That's where we start to kind of see a wider range. And we're going to say that that's fair or average, depending on what you look at. Um, and then when we start to get below 38.5, um, that's poor. 
um, and then below 35 is very poor. Um, so, you know, if you know your VO2 max right off the bat and you're hearing this and you're within those poor or very poor ranges, that may be something to kind of kickstart uh, <laughs> utilizing more more cardio. For women, um, like I said, it's going to be lower than males. Still, you know, like huge values. Uh, so an elite freak for a woman might be like above 54. So in general, we're thinking, especially as you get to those higher levels, anywhere from three to five milliliters per kilogram per minute is going to be like the difference between an elite male and elite female um, within the general consensus of this, right? I'm sure there are women out there that have, or a very small handful of women that have 60s, just like there's a very small handful of males that have 60s. Um, But for women, 54 and above, like that's your elite freak. Um, 45 to 53 is going to be excellent. 42.5 to 45 is good. So just a little less than male. And then interesting, when you look at ACSM, um, the, the fair and the poor and the very poor kind of start to become the same number, Um, which, you know, is, it's just a cool thought to think about how, as we get more elite, there's just like the level of eliteness in males becomes much higher. Uh, just given that they're built generally uh, bigger than women. But 38.5 to 42 is your fair or average. Um, And then same thing, anything below 38.5, we're going to say is poor. And then below 35 is very poor. Um, And again, this depends on a lot, right? Like what what, uh, sex you are, how old you are. Um, If you are someone who does like a ton of biking and is very active um, but you don't run and you don't sprint and then you go and do a VO2 max test that requires you to do that and you get your butt handed to you and, you know, you might see anywhere from 3 to 5% decrease um, or even something as severe as like 5 to 10 if you are just like that uncoordinated at that activity. Um, so, you know, find the test that is more closely related to the things that you're doing. So the question now is like, well, how can I test it? You know, I, I, I need to see where I'm at. Um, and there's a couple different ways. So this client um, actually, like, I don't know if I mentioned this, used her Apple iWatch. She was like, hey, you know, it says that I have a, you know, we'll say 34. Um, you know, how is that? Is that good? And then we talked about whatever her score was at the point. But there's a lot of tech that's coming out that does a decent job, Right. Um, I would never stake my life on what your watch is telling you um, as far as like your fitness, the calories burned, um, you know, what intensity it might have been at. Um, but it is information. It's it's decent information and it's a very good starting point. So even though it's probably the least quote unquote correct, it does give you something. So if you have an Apple iWatch, you know, check that out if you have, I think Garmin's can kind of look at that stuff. Um, but yeah, just something to kind of give you some information. You can do a full VO2 max test. That costs money generally. It's very challenging. The whole point is that you start off slow um, and you go until you cannot go anymore. And you are like huffing and puffing um, and also wearing this mask that 
generally is going to affect the way you breathe, especially if you haven't used it before. Um, and it's tough. I mean, you're you're sprinting until you feel like your lungs are going to explode. If you have never done that, the first time it's going to be terrible. Um, and you may see, let's say you decide to do four over the course of uh, two months, right? So every two weeks, I don't know. I'm not good at math. Um, <laughs> you know, you may see like a really big increase in your VO2 max as you do them, not because you really became more fit, but because the test is pretty grueling and you just got used to figuring out what it's supposed to be like, or at least being able to handle what it's like. So it's, it's, it is a cool test because you do kind of get to push yourself and be like, you know, how hard can I go? Like, what is my stopping point? How really, how long can I redline? Because that is the whole point of the test. Um, and it's good. It's good to see like how mentally tough you are and how you can push yourself. And we also do have submaximal tests. And so that's things that don't require a lab or require you to, you know, go to an exercise physio physiology lab and just put on all this gear. You can do a multi-stage beep test. Um, I'm sure you can find it somewhere on YouTube and just kind of let it go. It's just beep, 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 beep. And you're stepping up and down a, a, a certain height of boxes um, to the beat. And for as long as you can go, that's based on a calculation. It gives you your VO2 max. Um, there's a Cooper 1.5 mile walk slash run test. And that is really how long does it take for you to complete that 1.5 miles. So if you can run that 1.5 miles very fast, right, stands to reason that you have a higher VO2 max. Um, but if it takes you like you can run and then walk some, run and walk some, you know, you might have like a good VO2 max. Um, so based on your age, your sex, your height, your weight, how long it takes you to complete that test, um, it'll give you a... Um, a unit or it'll give you an equation uh, of what your VO2 max is or is estimated to be. And then you have the, something like the Astrin treadmill test where the longer you can go on, on the treadmill or uh, how much deeper into a specific stage you can get into, that's your high, higher VO2 max. Um, the reality is like if you're really interested in it, there are a couple places that you can Google. I'll link one up in the in the show notes that kind of gives a breakdown of how to complete these tests. Um, so, you know, if that's something that interests you or you want to see like how close your tech is to, um, you know, what your actual VO2 max might be or, or we'll say actual in air quotes, it's estimated, um, maybe go in and do that. And so now the like final question is, okay, like I have a, baseline understanding of what VO2 max is. I know that it changes based on sex, um, age, all these things. I know what the values are and I know how to test it. I got my value back. You know, it's not what I want it to be. How do I increase it? How can I increase my VO2 max so that I am harder to kill, right? <laughs> Which is always the goal. Um, and and the, the reality is that like, you just have to do more cardio right? How you do it will depend on what you like, how much time you have, um, and what is going to cause you to keep coming back. So if you are someone who has never done anything, but you like to sprint and you like 
that's good for you, it feels good, you recover well from it, then maybe just doing something like low volume sprint interval training where you are sprinting, you know, 90%, 100%, so like a true sprint, whether on a bike or running, um, you know, for like sets of five, um, that is going to stimulate you to breathe hard and it's going to force you to get better. Um, that may be your cup of tea. You may be someone who's like, hey, I I don't like sprinting. I don't even like doing any sort of like moderate work, but I will do low intensity work for four hours. Like if you have the time, the ability and the mental strength to do that, that's also going to be good because then we're talking about an intensity of like 40 to 50 percent. Well, that's probably more moderate, but 30 to 50 percent. Um, and you're just like continuously doing work and doing work, like your body is getting tired, you're continuing to do work. So you are going to increase your VO2 max. Um, and then, you know, I think most people are pretty familiar with HIT, you know, high intensity interval training. And that's where you're doing like, you know, 75% of work for short periods of time, then back down to, to near resting. So it's like, obviously high intensity. And because it's interval training, you're going up and then you're going back down and doing that a couple times a week. Um, and I say a couple times a week, but if you've done nothing and you're doing it one more time a week, that's good too. Um, but either way, doing that a couple times a week is going to stimulate all of those pathways um, to tell your body like, hey, we need to have more mitochondria. We need to have more cells that are going to take in oxygen, take in the energy we need and expel it out to where we need it to be. So regardless of whether it's moderate intensity, continuous training, high intensity interval training, low volume sprint interval training, or if you are, you know, primed to do so, um, high volume sprint interval training, all of these things are going to help with the increase in um, your VO2 max. All that to be said, if you go and do a bunch of hiking, also going to help. If you do a bunch of lifting, especially with shorter rest times, that is going to help. Um, and that's going to help, especially with people that have poor or very poor, we'll just say poor, <laughs> um, uh, VO2 max. Like you do huff and puff when you put out, when you lift a lot and you keep the the intensity pretty high and you keep the rest time short. Now, are you going to sacrifice your ability to maybe lift more weight because you are pushing the envelope with um, rest time. So you're not fully resting, maybe, right? And most likely, yes, I wouldn't say it's the best thing for strictly hypertrophy. But if you want a training session, that's going to kind of meld both hypertrophy and um, a metabolic stimulus or enough to get you that increase in VO2 max, then yeah, training with lower rest times and maybe higher reps is going to help with that. And all of this is super important because, again, regardless of what you're doing, just doing cardio helps. Anytime your heart starts to beat more for longer periods of time, that is a good sign that you're doing enough to stimulate the changes you need to get a higher VO2 max, which then leads to a lower risk of all-cause mortality and also a greater increase in the quality of life. And that's really all we're trying to do, right, is to to be fit enough to do whatever we want, to be strong enough to be able to say like, oh yeah, we're going hiking, I can do that. Or yeah, I can pick up my kid or I can go and play basketball with my, we'll say nephew who just now started playing basketball uh, without getting winded. 
Um, and I think that's like, that's the important thing, right? There are, like, are you going to become more good looking or like more shredded if you have a higher VO2 max? Yeah, generally, but a VO2 max is, it's just going to, it's going to help in more ways in your life than just looking really good. So even though I don't like to do cardio, um, I do have to do it. And, you know, I would challenge you as a listener to to kind of think that same way, like, dang, this sucks. But if I can push myself, then it's going to make life a lot easier um, and it's going to make my life longer. And it's, you know, even through the tough times, <laughs> that is generally the goal. So just wanted to talk to you about VO2 Max, get a nice little um, episode in, uh, leave me a, a message either through my personal, um, through ROI Health or through the Health Unfiltered Pod Instagram. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, emotional outbreaks, um, just a reminder to keep keep listening and, and sharing us and rating us. Um, and if you have any questions specific, specifically about VO2 Max, hit me up with that or anything else, and we can make it a snack time. We can make it a whole episode. Um, at the end of the day, I want to provide a service or a podcast that caters to the needs of people that that really want it. So reminder to eat your snacks, have a good week, and play that music. Thank you for listening to the Health Unfiltered podcast. Make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform, rate the podcast, and share this episode. Connect with me, Dr. Alzola, on Instagram at ROI Health. For more details on all things sports and human performance coaching, visit GetROIHealth.com. You can find me, Brooke West, on Instagram at WestNutrition.co. For all the ways we can work together on nutrition and holistic health, visit westnutrition.co. And don't forget to send us your epic questions of the week on Instagram at healthunfilteredpod. Catch you next time.